I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo Studios. Great to have your company here on the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do this on the very last day of not only summer, but also earnings season as well. Uh, panel today, Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, are you exhausted after earnings season? Yes, I'm, I'm, com- I'm completely caffeined up now. <laughs> because the last day or two, you tend to get... Yeah. The stragglers often disappoint. Yeah. Well, the, you, get, you get the small caps and you get the companies that can't wait any longer to bring out <laughs> the bad news. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know why a lot of the small ones don't report till the very end? It's because the auditors are all too busy with the big ones. You ah. don't make a lot of money. And they don't get to the small ones until they've done all the yeah. others. So it's that's not their fault. That's office. the reason. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The rats and mice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a look at the five stocks we're going to cover or you want us to cover in this first half hour, TPG Telecom, uh, Eagles Automotive, uh, Treasury Wide Estates, Magellan Financial Group, and also Macquarie Group. That is a diverse bunch, isn't it? Uh, Stock of the day, I um, thought we'd have a look at Tyro. Uh, With the panel, we'll be speaking with Chief Executive Jonathan Davey a bit later in the show. Uh, Tyro's reported a 45.2% jump in revenues for the half delivered 106% increase in statutory net profits. Uh, 1.1 million for the period returned to the company to profitability. It's off a low base. Also reported positive free cash flow for the first time. Uh, Tyro reaffirmed its four-year guidance of between 37 and $41 million. Uh, UBS has already upgraded it to a buy with an upgraded price target of $1.95 from $1.64. Currently, the stock barely moving up uh, 1%. Had a bit of a spurt early, but has settled down. Uh, Rudy, what did you you think of the Tyro result and also the stock at these levels? Um, Well, conclusion number one. Uh, clearly, consume, because if you combine it with, let's say, the disappointment by Harvey Norman today, yeah. so clearly commu- consumer spending is a very wide basket. Yeah. Um, the least you can say about uh, the Tyro is that they've, they've read the room last year, so they've uh, cut costs, restructured, uh, put a lot of initiatives in place, and as a result, much earlier than previously forecast, uh, positive cash flow. Um, that all should should all else being equal, that should be a positive, of course. I'm still thinking that the the company will need to convince the market here that the the, the expected slowdown in consumer spending later in the year, how that's going to impact uh, Tyro and how well they will manage that <coughs> if yeah. they can manage that. Yep. And I suspect that's 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 the reason why the share price doesn't. Also, they have pre-reported the, the, the key numbers already, yeah. but I think the, the positive cash flow is, I think that's, that's, the big, right. that's the big achievement. And that's what investors now want because the whole, the whole environment has changed where previously it was all about increasing your market share and getting new customers on board. Now it's about where's the cash and, and, yeah. and where are the profits? And is it important to have confidence in a management team that actually delivers and delivers early on what they were promising? Well, not every company can, can pull forward their profitability and their cash flow. So that's, yeah. that's unmistakably a positive. Right. Uh, would you be buying at these levels? Uh, probably not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After all of that, probably not. Why? Um, too, too many question marks for me still. And, right. and the share price has, has now, is now well off its lows. Right. Um, at the lows, you, you, you have a... You have a a much better chance to, to to end up positively. Here, the the, the share price already has bounced a lot of the yeah. lows. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, hasn't been listed long. Which... No, it's only got four years, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. meet our requirements. But I know the business reasonably well, yeah. particularly in the early days when it was a payments processor, payments, which was yeah. a very, very brave business to go into because yeah. they actually went into it to compete with the big banks who controlled that market mm. at a time we had deregulation. The deregulation didn't actually help Tyrod, it enabled them to get into the market, but it meant that um, they fought the, not just deregulation, it was the fact that the Reserve Bank dictated what interchange fees were going to be on credit right. cards, which meant that uh, merchant fees got squeezed right mm. down. So Tyro entered the market at the time where the fees the banks charged got massively reduced. Yeah. And you go, well, and, a lot of, and a lot of the banks got out of the market as well, a result it didn't of that, make didn't any money out of it. Yeah, it was yeah. more of a service to their business clients, yeah. really, than a major profit mm -hmm. center for them. It was a bit of a pain in the ass. They make money out of credit cards, but that's yeah. on the lending side, on the issuing side. Yep. But as far as the merchant mm -hmm. services, have never been very lucrative. Anyway, that's where Tyro started. You've got to give them kudos. They managed to survive yeah. and they built it up and ultimately listed and now they have, a, I believe, a full banking license. So they're a, a full, fully fledged bank. Yeah. And they are the small guys in that area. And they're sort of the disruptors because the technology they brought in originally with payments were that you could do multi-currency payments at the airport and stuff. That were the first ones mm. to do that, mm. which was good. Mm. So it was a staid old industry and yeah. they've made some changes. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, hopeful that they go on to succeed. But right now they've been losing money yeah, yeah, for the last four years. Now, they, they've come out with a positive statement that they're cash flow positive. Great. It's not a reason to buy it yet. But, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe yeah. in a couple of years, it, yeah, I'd be interested, perhaps. Right. Yeah. So it's on the right path, but not yet. Yeah. 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 They've and, got to and, prove, and, prove and themselves. And I hope, I hope they're successful. <clears throat> yeah. Um, positive cash flow means that they don't have to come to the market to, to raise cash. Yeah. I mean, right. And, and that's, that's, that's definitely a positive. Yeah, and yeah. that's a good thing in this And the banking right. cycle's at the high end <laughs> as well, which is not yeah. helpful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there, there sort of does seem to be a move by the bigger banks to get back into that payment system because they can see it building a better relationship with their small business clients. And well, I, I think the original idea, like if you were a Combank business customer and you had everything with the bank, your overdraft yeah. and your mortgages and your credit cards and all that, and your payment, it's, it's that valuing, having a full service relationship is very a very powerful moat. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and the more you Locks let you that in. get broken up, mm. then you start getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. And the big banks are really, Com they're really building Com societies. Combank is still doing this. Huh? Yeah, so they Com are. Bank. But the others... And the big, the other big yeah. banks, they're all sort of building societies now, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Westpac had a nibble at Tyrol and then decided, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, our first stock, uh, Kim wants a view, Mark on TPG Telecom. One of the uh, uh, you've, you've got basically Telstra, Optus, and then TPG that sort of soak up Hutchison, Vodafone, and the like. <coughs> yeah. I used to be a shareholder. Yeah. It used to be a Team Invest Wealth winner, and we yeah. really liked it. I actually did really well on it, so yeah, I'm yeah. happy. But I haven't been a shareholder since David T.O. Left. Uh, left. Because basically, it was a founder-driven business. It was a very entrepreneurial culture. He was an absolutely uh, excellent disruptor. And he went to Chuas, didn't he? Well, Chuas, yes, and that's uh, so in Singapore. And basically, Singapore, he's throwing yeah. the towel in on Australia, and I don't blame mm. him. Right. Yeah, because he, yeah, he, what he went through when he tried, when they tried to, well, first of all, they, they, were, they were going to disrupt the market with 5G using uh, Huawei technology, and then the government blocked that. Okay, that's political. Yep. And that sort of killed their impetus because they had a real, mm. a real uh, lead on Telstra and Optus. So then they decided to merge with Vodafone, which made sense because Vodafone had a strong uh, mobile business and uh, TPG was mainly broadband um, yeah. home. So it made total sense. But then the ACCC, you know, the anti-competitive uh, anti tribunal or whatever they're called, uh, blocked it. And they basically killed the, the ability for TPG to really get a take on the big players. So not only didn't they stop uh, didn't they? Not only did they stop the merger in the name of uh, improving competition, they absolutely smashed Killed the it. competition. Right. So it's crazy. Mm. Since then, he's gone, and the business hasn't done well since then. Right. So you look at their return on equity; it's four point three. So it's miserable. Um, it's uh, we're showing a return of about negative five percent per year at the current price, and it's on a currently on a P of P, P of eighteen which is at the bottom end of the range for them. But their earnings growth is uh, showing average of eight, negative 18% over the last six years. Now, they took a big hit from 220 with COVID. Yeah. But they're the kind of business you wouldn't expect to have got, had taken a big hit through COVID. No. No, so no. I don't understand that. And I haven't followed it since to understand why. Right. It's coming back up, but it's still nowhere near the pre-COVID level. So okay. I'd, I'd just pass. 
really? Yeah, I was surprised. I'm, I was I was curious how uh, Team Invest, because I know it was one of their, their favorite stocks in the past. Um, I have a slightly different view. I think Tio left. Um, uh, it's, it's a little bit with, with the same with uh, very famous sporting people. Some of them know when to leave and some of them don't. Yep. And I think it probably speaks to him that he, he saw the writing on the wall and he thought, I better leave a, a positive legacy here. Um, I think it's very simple. I think sectors like telecommunications sometimes go through phases where the, the young challenger brands have all the momentum going for them. And that makes whoever sits at those companies at the helm uh, makes them heroes. But sectors change, dynamics change, and um, ultimately you end up with the market leader that uh, fights back and, and solidifies his position. I've said a couple of times, um, uh, Telstra is making a comeback. I yep. think in that sector, I think Telstra is the way to go. Um, analysts are now uh, forecasting uh, a, a pretty much a gradual improvement in Telstra's fortunes, uh, which is something new since listing because it hasn't happened that, that yep. often in the past. Um, if you also take into account, and I think th this reporting season is showing that as well, companies that are going through a tough phase they don't necessarily come up with the, with the recovery because the economic circumstances are getting tougher. Mm. And the last thing you want mm. is having your company turn around when the economic circumstances are getting yep. more of a challenge. So I think for companies like TPG, who basically have a little bit in a, in, in a challenging period, um, if, you're, if you're sitting there waiting for the turnaround, you might have to be patient for longer. Right. Um, and that this reporting season has shown that on many, on many examples. So I personally, if you pay attention to the, to the macro picture, where the economy this year will only get tougher for most companies, then maybe you don't want to sit in companies that have just had a really challenging time and are still... Right. I mean, one thing I picked up this uh, very quickly from TPG is we, we spoke about cash flow earlier with, with Tyro. TPG's cash flow is neutral before paying out dividends. Right. And they will pay out dividends because we're listed on the ASX, which basically means their cash flow will be negative. Everything they pay out in dividends will, will, will eat in okay, their cash flow, right, okay. which is also a situation <coughs> where you don't want to be in eternally. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it opened, it's opened up the, the risk spectrum, and, and I wouldn't, I mean, you can invest your money with less risk in the Australian right. share market. So go for less risk because times might get tougher. So you think Telstra is a better bet than TPG? Oh, yes. Right. Yes, definitely. Okay. All, All the right. risks with cash flow and dividends, you don't have that with Telstra at the moment. Okay. All right, uh, next stock, um, uh, Scott wants a view, Rudy, on Eagers Automotive, mm. the uh, the biggest mm. listed car dealership. Mm. Nick mm. Polites yeah. uh, is the biggest shareholder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done yeah. well out of Very it. Very popular with uh, parts of the investment community. Also, they are also a steady dividend payer as well. Yep. Uh, their performance to date is, is stronger for longer, um, but I'm, I still have my question marks. I mean, they are... Um, in, in, in very in nutshell, they, they've been one of the beneficiaries of the, of the COVID and lockdowns. Mm. That momentum is, is continuing today, but you will just have to question, like at one point, uh, does that momentum slow down a little bit? And that will almost by definition then translate into a much lower share price. Yep. Um, and you can see that we have a little bit of a rally there on, on, on the back of, of, of this month's results, which surprised to the upside. Yep. Um, again, um, I'd rather probably not be there and, and, and go with companies that have less question marks. Because there's obviously the supply chain catch up of new cars that, yes. uh, that pent up demand yes. that, that COVID put the mockers on. So yeah. they've been a beneficiary of that. Um, Mark, what do you uh, think about uh, yeah, this? I, to I totally agree with that. Interestingly, if you look at their, um, the, the uh, earnings over time, uh, for the period from 2013 to, to 18, it was pretty flat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't an exciting company at all. It's had a very good COVID. Bought, I agree with Rudy. They've bought automotive holdings, huh? Yep, yeah. that's right. But their sales, their earnings. Looking at their earnings chart, the sales are about uh, showing about where they were pre-COVID, but the earnings are still significantly higher. Mm. That's not a good sign. Mm. <laughs> so it means they've been, they've been making super profits yep. uh, on yep. the because of the shortage of uh, stock and so on. That yep. that won't last, right? Yes, which means it's going to come back. So I would, I would pass. Okay. Yeah. But it's not a bad company. You know. No, no, but the margins are right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kim, Mark, wants to be on Treasury Wine Estates, um, Australia's biggest wine producer. Of course, Penfolds mm. is its most famous brand, but a whole bunch of others uh, got hit for six when 
the trade wars started with China. They pivoted. It's sort of talk that maybe mm. uh, uh, the door is not opening. Is sort of there's a crack in the door to get back into China. Yes. Um, yeah. It does seem that. It does seem that way. Until yeah. we until we say something else that offends them, but it, yeah. <laughs> I think the problem with these things, any business that has a reliance on a government or bureaucracy or political structure, it's just an extra risk that you don't really want. Yeah. In my yeah. view, but anyway, you'd say that that's already in yeah. now because they've already suffered it. But the problem with Treasury is since two nineteen, and it really has been the China woes. Yes, and then I'm not arguing that. You yeah. could say it wasn't their fault. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, the returns are pretty medi- pretty mediocre, and we're showing a returning about one point seven percent a year uh, over the next five years, which is not, is less than inflation. So right. I, I, how could you get excited about it? Yep. Uh, the uh, PE is currently 28, which on an EPS growth rate of negative 1% at the moment, and let's say it comes back, sure, mm. but it's not cheap yep. for the price. So the market's been, I think, fairly generous in maintaining a high PE ratio. You know, experience, I think the market's expecting them to do better. Right. That's probably the, but it's in there already. Right. So it's in, built in, so you've missed the boat well, uh, if you want to get well, it. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't interest me. I think there's better, yeah. there's better, thing, better lower risk, more okay. better probability investments. Okay. So you look at that chart and it's... That's Mark uh, and that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> the, the Treasury wine stage, yeah. But the Eagles one before you said it yes. had already had a good run and you yeah. wouldn't get in it. Mm. Uh, and you see it coming back. If you're an Eagles shareholder, would you get out of it? These levels, that's not far off a five year. Yeah, well, year I, I, I would. Treasury is nowhere near it. No, I would because of what, what Mark and I have discussed earlier. Yeah. They, they still have, have basically had ex- extraordinary margins coming out of the, the COVID period, with all yeah. the restrictions. At some point, those margins will, will right. normalize and then yeah. you get a much lower share, share price. So selling to this rally. I think so. Yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So tre- Treasury wine estate. Tre- treasury wine is a little bit really different. It is It's a little bit different because I'm a little bit ne- ne- less, less negative than Mark is. Right. I think this, this has been one of the, the great growth stories in the Australian share market until, unfortunately, China said yep. we're going to get back at, uh, at, at Australia. Which is, I personally would prefer that they don't move back into China because they're doing great stuff in mm. getting their wines now in Europe and in the US elsewhere, yep. which is a much more solid business. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not my choice. It's not their yeah. choice. China might be reopening again. Yeah. And this is why the share price is now where it is. I mean, it has recovered quite. The market is already taking a punt on there might be one of the beneficiaries. Yep. And that's why, I mean. So basically, if you want to buy now, you, you almost by definition have to take a punt that China will open right. and that they will get they will get some volume into China. The share price will go higher, but unfortunately, if that takes longer or it doesn't happen, the share price will go lower. Right. That's unfortunately the, the binary proposition now. If you take a longer term view though, and now I'd like to get rid, get, get rid of the China perspective, if you give it some years, they, they because the, the commodity wines they have, the commoditized wines, the cheaper ones, it's mm. only 20% of the business, yeah? Yeah. Oh no, it's actually, it's, it's more, but it's only <coughs> 20% of the profits. Yep. So it's the small part of the business that basically makes 80% of the profits, and those are the wines we, we like to have at $1,000, $2,000, yeah? Yep. That's yep. the business, it, that's the business that will take the share price over time much higher. Right. But you get these China-related and all those things in between. Okay. All right, so <coughs> what would you be doing with Treasury? Um, if I was in it, I would hold it and I would take a long-term view. Right. Uh, if, if I'm not in it, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for longer for, for a longer uh, base to come in. Okay. All right. So I'm not in it, so I'm, I would be waiting. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not there. All right. Uh, as we mentioned at the uh, at the top of the show, um, Tyro reported this morning a. Uh, a pretty good result, and uh, joining us now is the uh, the Tyro chief executive. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your time. That's a po- positive free cash flow. Is that the the big takeout from the result, Jonathan? Chris, I think it is one of the big takeouts of the the result. I think it's really being driven by three key things. First of all, a focus on growth, focus on profitability, and also a focus on really delivering and driving innovation. Um, the positive free cash flow is a highlight, as is our $1.1 million statutory Yep. Um, what got you to this position? Look, I think it's the, the three things that I spoke about. We've really done a great job in driving growth of the business. We've seen 
um, $21.7 billion worth of transaction growth in the first half, which is 37% up on the prior period. We've seen really strong growth in our customer numbers. So we've seen a 9% growth in the number of merchants and customers using our products mm -hmm. and services. Um, we continue to really push into our banking side of our business and we've seen 101% growth in the, uh, in the value of loans originated. And we continue to really push ahead with innovative products and solutions. So I think they're really the key drivers of the outcome. Are you, are you seeing an increase in competition from the major banks because they really defaulted a lot of them, except for Commonwealth Bank, the, the other three of the big four, really left this market to you, didn't they? They didn't see it as a way of holding their small business customers. Um, you're now getting a banking license and benefiting yep. from that relationship you're building with your merchants. Yeah, look, I think, Koshi, that we certainly do see the competitive landscape changing. Um, the big banks are the areas that we have historically taken, uh, taken market there. Yep. We do see some of the global competitors obviously also having an impact. And we also in the payment space seeing far more competition from local domestic players. Um, but we do see against many of those local and global competitors, our banking license as being a key point of differentiation. Um, it does allow us to be able to provide products and services that differentiate and provide our ability to be able to help merchants effectively manage yeah. their cash flow. So while it is a more competitive environment, we think that we're pretty well positioned. Okay. So the banking part of the business is the future. Well, the banking part of the business is a key part of our future. We still see really strong growth opportunities in our traditional payment space, where when we look at in-store payments, we only have 6% of the market, and uh, we've been growing at about six times market in that space. But we also see further opportunities to really push into banking and to be able to leverage that, to be able to deliver a deeper relationship with the merchants that we support. Yeah, Jonathan, Mark Morland from Team Invest, and. Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena are with us here on the panel. Uh, Mark, did you have a question for Jonathan? Uh, yeah, sure, Jonathan. And if I if I can ask, and I don't know how you can answer this, but what's the vision for the bank? Where, where would you see Tyro being in say five years? Or so, what's good look like to you? So look, we we really have a focus on delivering the best experience we can for our merchants. If you go back to the history of Tyro, we have been a technology company and an innovation company that really has tried to back businesses and to reimagine what the future of payments and banking looks like. Um, we do see payments in particular changing significantly and we do think there's some opportunities to be able to really drive product innovation for our customers. Um, our ambition is to continue to grow at 20% on an annual basis. So that's 20% increase in gross profit on an ongoing basis. And that's really where our vision's, vision lies, about delivering best products and services and continuing to deliver value for our shareholders. Okay. Right. Jonathan, I, I quickly picked up this morning from, uh, from your SX statement that um, you were very pleased with your agreement with Telstra, um, and yeah. which was played a big role in the numbers you proposed today. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that, on that uh, agreement and, and what you think that will generate for you uh, from here onwards? Yeah, look, I think what we're trying to do here is to be able to provide access to the Tyro products and services via third party relationships. And historically, Tyro has done a really good job at doing that through our point of sale partners. Um, our partners generate a significant portion of our ongoing customer acquisition. Um, Telstra is clearly one of the leading retailers and telecommunications companies in Australia. And by partnering with Telstra, we have access to about 350 of their retail outlets in their small business centres. Um, it provides us with the ability to partner with a leading partner who can help us distribute our products to market and, uh, and to really work with small businesses to be able to deliver not only telecommunication services, but also payment services. Um, you would have also seen we made some announcements this morning about a similar partnership with Australia Post, which puts us into another 400 uh, Australia Post outlets. So it's really about how we can bring products and services to market via those partners. Okay, with the technolo technology side, and you're spending a fair bit in that, where's it, is, is Square a com um, becoming a bigger competitor for you? Look, Square is also, is, is clearly a competitor. And, um, you know, I think that they're doing some really interesting things. 
Um, what we do find is that Square's playing probably a little bit more at that micro end of the market. Um, certainly an interesting area for us and an area where we have been historically strong, but we're really trying to be able to make sure that the services that we provide not only deliver value at the micro end of the market, but also into the, the SME and larger business sector as well. Yep. So Square is one of the competitors, but there are, there are also a number of others. Yep. With the banking side of it, you were talking about sort of cash flow management for the merchants. What other banking yeah. products do you foresee in the next year or two? Well, we do have a banking license, so we therefore are able to provide a transaction account. We also have a term deposit account. Um, we also, as, a, as we mentioned, have our lending product, yeah. which is a working cash flow solution. Um, what we need to be able to do is to be able to provide those services to more of our customers. Uh, it's actually only 6% of our merchants or of our customers that have actually had a loan with us. So we see some enormous opportunities just to be able to leverage our established customer base yep. with the products that we have. Yep. And let me tell you, cash flow financing, I think, will uh, will increase in popularity over the next 12 months, given where uh, the economy is going. You're at the coalface. Are you finding your customers doing it tougher now than they were 12 months ago? Look, it's interesting, Koshi. I think if you look at the numbers that we've seen in the first half and in the first couple of months of the second half, we are not yet seeing any discernible note, any discernible change in discretionary spend. Um, in our forecast second half, we have built in a softening, um, but to date, we haven't seen any discernible change. Because you're getting a lot of anecdotal evidence saying January and February have been terrible, particularly in retail. You're not seeing mm. that in the data that you're processing. Correct. Okay, all right, that's fascinating. Um, Jonathan, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, okay, thank you. Jonathan Davey there, the boss of, uh, of Tyro. There you go. And, and by the way, that, uh, that uh, intel from him on what they're processing is far more reliable than what oh, you read in the papers about absolutely. everyone going, oh, it's gonna be really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, because he obviously doesn't cover the whole spectrum yeah. is very specific in what, what Tyro covers. Yeah. And also, um, as prices increase because of inflation, that obviously eats into or that adds to the, adds to to the, the revenue. momentum yeah, for yeah. Bitcoin. But this, because this, they have this tens, is a tens of thousands of face value payments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's a good read. That's a good read for uh, how retail is looking. Yeah, yeah. Too right. All right. Let's uh, get back to the stocks that uh, we've got <coughs> on the list to get through. Uh, Magellan. Magellan Financial Group. Mark? Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'll tell you what, we have spent a lot of time discussing Magellan yeah, and really? uh, Team Invest, and there are many views on it. Mm. Um, it was, uh, it, it, there's a lot of lessons in it as well, actually. That's probably another, th which is yeah. good, because we don't have many bad stocks. Uh, when I say bad, I mean investments where they really don't turn out the way you expect mm. them to. It doesn't happen yep. very often. Yep. Now, admittedly, we've been in a bull mm. market, but um, Magellan uh, was really good until it wasn't. And then when Hamish Douglas effectively imploded, uh, now we had him down, we had a major risk of key man risk with him. Yeah. Now, yeah. usually when we talk key man risk, we mean, you know, if the CEO goes under the bus or something. But yeah. when you have a CEO who is a really high profile figure and that he is the reason in large part why funds are attracted to the business, obviously there are much, much, much greater risk mm. if they not, are not there anymore. Yep. Anyway, so he virtually disappeared <clears throat> and went yep. on medical leave. Then they had the loss of their biggest decline in, uh, uh, in the UK. Uh, James Place, which is what I think was nearly 20 billion, yep. 40, yeah, something like that. Um, and then they knew that was going to happen, by the way, uh, months and months before, but they didn't know when, because James Place said that they were changing their strategy from using active fund managers like Magellan to going all in, basically going 90% index funds. Right. So they knew it was happening. Now, with hindsight, they would have been far better off if they'd announced that to the market at the time, even though they didn't have to, because it was a, they, they were just being advised by their client right. that eventually you're going to lose the business. Right. So right. The, the, the media said it was because of underperformance, right. which right. is what the assumption is. You lost yep. a big account, yep. it must be underperformance. It wasn't, <coughs> that wasn't the reason. Mm. Anyway, it was a bit of a perfect storm. So we had major outflow. We also had at the same time the China problems where uh, with Alibaba and so on and Magellan was heavily invested into those stocks. Yep. It's literally a perfect storm. So all the risks that we identified all went off at the same time. And we've never ever seen that in our 14 years. Right. So now the question with Magellan is um, uh, some of our members have been buying it down at these, this $8-ish kind right. of level because it's got nearly $5 of free cash 
or cash available um, outside of their funds. Right. So the, it's, it's, it's ridiculously low price for the size of the business still. Okay. So the business is still so very the, profitable. Uh, so, so the business is being valued at $2. Yeah, I'll say three. Uh, say three, say three dollars, yeah. and they've got five dollars of cash, and they've got a hundred. They've still got fifty billion under management, right. and they're very, very profitable. So right. the, the funds they've lost through this process, which is about fifty percent, yeah. was mainly wholesale, which was the low margin funds. So they've got the retail funds still yeah. largely, yeah. which are a much higher margin. So their financials are actually quite good still. However. The management has completely changed. It is now a completely different business. Yep. You now have a very, very conservative ex-future fund um, uh, leader, uh, low profile, not charismatic, you know, the exact yep. opposite to Hamish Douglas. So yep. it's a different beast. So yep. you look at it, you go, well, what's it going to be in five mm -hmm. years? What we look for is we want to be virtually certain that earnings per share will be materially higher in five years' time. How can I say that about Magellan? Right. I can't. So if you look at it, to me, it's... Mm -hmm. It's sort of a turnaround story, but it's a really good turnaround story in that it's not losing money. Most turnaround stories are losing money. Yep. This is one that's actually very profitable still. And if they can stabilise it here, and it's sort of looking like there's clues that that's happening, it's very cheap. And it could easily go back to $15, $16 based on the current business as long as it stops the deterioration, right. the funds outflow. I don't know whether they'll do that, but I suspect they probably so will. So too high risk for you? Yeah, too hard. Ready? That's throwing the Warren Buffett court. The yeah. problem with turnaround stories is they seldom turn around. That's right. yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think that the story of Magellan is much, much <coughs> simpler. Um, the market went through a phase of uh, pretty much extreme uh, valuations for growth stocks and, and a complete uh, uh, no attention for, for anything else. In that period, uh, Magellan looked like they, they were the best fund manager Australia has ever had, ever had. In the world. Or in the world, <laughs> even. I mean. Yep. And from the moment that dynamic changed, uh, their performance uh, collapsed, essentially. Um, um, which, to be honest, I, I predicted uh, well before it happened. Because it's not, it's not Magellan, it's the market, essentially. The market changed, and Magellan sat there with, with stocks that all of a sudden were overvalued and, and not performing. Uh, Magellan is not the fund manager that, that has BHP or CBA in their portfolio. Um, the problem now is, and, and I'm a little bit less sanguine than Marcus, the problem now is that they've, they've significantly underperformed both in their fund management as in the mm. share price. So how long are, are retail investors going to be patient with them? Because they also charge relatively high fees. Yep. And if they at, at some point will be forced to cut their fees, that will have a tremendous impact on, the, on, on their, their profits. Um, I, I think there's two things stand out here, I think. No doubt, the, the, the share price is probably um, near its lows, where yep. very dangerous statement to make. Um, but it also will, it will by definition require a long time to turn that around, the, the performance. And the, the key that needs to happen is that the market needs to stop buying BHP and CBA and start buying CSL and ResMed instead, on a comparable scale, right. huh? yep. and and maybe Tyro. I mean, and if that doesn't happen on a consistent basis, then fund managers like uh, Magellan will find we'll it very caught. very difficult. Mm. I think there's another scenario, which and which is probably the reason why you wouldn't want to hold on to it if you own it. This sector as a whole has been suffering from outflows, and and the valuations are, are <coughs> relatively low today both to their own history as to the market in general. So what you see is they start eating each other. Yeah. So the best scenario <coughs> here, and I actually think that is not inconceivable, is that someone will come along and goes, I'll, 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 I'll offer a premium to shareholders and I'll just take the business. Okay. Totally agree. So a 7 PE. There you go. Okay. So I'll hold for you. Hold for Stay a takeover yeah. offer yep. and, 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 and otherwise well, I'd say, be I'd say, very, I'd say hold very if patient. Hold as well. Yeah. Okay, very, very patient. Yeah, All I agree. Right. Okay. Okay, a hold on Magellan and be patient. Uh, Simon wants a view, uh, Rudy on Macquarie, Macquarie Group. There's a new book out. Okay. I, I, uh, a I, new I, book? I heard yesterday. <coughs> there um, is. So I'm going to buy it and, and uh, I might read it because it's, it's, it's obviously it's a tremendous, it's one of those success stories that yeah. we have in Australia. Yeah. And I think it's not well, a the, the book's been promoted as sort of 
Australia's Wolf of Wall Street, but doesn't quite deliver that. Oh, okay, okay. I haven't read it, so I don't know. <laughs> There's only a very small yeah. allegations there, yeah, yeah. half a page yeah. or something. Of I, 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 I do know a few people who were there at Macquarie, and they do have their war stories to, to yeah, be told. Yeah, yeah. Maybe another time, with a few, yes. with a few pints of beer. <laughs> with us. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I own Macquarie. Uh, I haven't always owned it. Uh, it appears that I didn't own it. I often blame myself for not owning it. You own it because of the of the of the of the culture they have internally, yeah. and because of the, the ultimately they find a way to deliver. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah. If there's one company on the stock exchange you, you, you buy for the culture and for the people, this one, is one, it. one could be West Farmers, the other one is definitely uh, Macquarie, yeah. and and you just take a longer term view. You not you don't take any into account. One thing you can do with Macquarie as well is they are very good in in, in sniffing out where the next driver of growth will come from. And they right. were very early in going into Asia, and they were very early to go into into green assets. Yep. And they'll and 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 they're in so ESG. would you buy at these levels? Hundred ninety-five. I probably wouldn't buy here, but I own it, and I have and no intention of selling it. Yep. Okay. And you I'll buy on weakness. No. Uh, no, I agree. I think Macquarie is a fabulous mm. business, and if you're comparing banks. Now they're yeah. not obviously they're nothing like ANZ and, and uh, Westpac. No, but they're taking market share. Yeah, yeah, mm. for the, uh, in home loans even. And, and they <laughs> and have exactly, cuts. and they've done the yeah. technology investment. Yeah, they're way, way, way better. Yeah. Mm. And if you look at the returns on Macquarie Compound over time, dwarfs the banks, right. the other banks. Yeah. So, so it, it is, and I totally agree with Rudy in that they have been really good at innovating and sniffing out the deals and setting themselves up consistently ever since I've uh, been watching it. And I used to own yeah. it. I bought it in the GFC for I think I paid twelve dollars for it in the GFC. Yeah, something I, like I remember that. fifteen. Wow. Fifteen or something yeah. like that. And then it was when the government guaranteed them. Yeah. And I thought, oh well. so I put in and I sold it at fifty five. Yeah. Right. Now my mistake was and I thought I was pretty clever, I did four hundred percent on it. Yeah. It's now hundred and eighty eight. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I know I know I know better now yeah. because there's no reason for me not to keep it, by the way. It's always passed yeah. our filters. It doesn't pass the the challenge we have with it, it's a complex business. So yeah. if you if you're going to say I want to understand the business and so on, forget it. What you're doing in Macquarie is you're trusting the, the machine, and yes, it used to be called exactly. the Millionaire's Factory, because yeah. they pay everyone really, really well for bringing the deals in. They, you eat what you kill, yeah. and it works. Yeah. And yeah. they've done it consistently for now, what, like 20, 30 years? Uh, post, years? post GFC. Uh, yes, what's that? I think 2015 yeah. or so. So, yeah. so would you be buying it? It's, it's in the middle of the black at the moment for us, so we're showing it returning 13.9 <laughs> per year at the current level if they continue doing what they're doing, yeah. and about 4% on a margin of safety. I like to buy in the green, which would be a P of 14, and that would be uh, about uh, $163. Okay. I'd, I'd, be happy, so, I'd, I'd be happy to buy it at that. But that's, you know, so it's, you'd you hold buy, if you're You could buy it now if you wanted to, right. but it's, it's not a screaming bargain, it's just middle. Everywhere. Okay. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Tyro, a no from both. TPG, a no from both Mark and Rudy. Rudy prefers Telstra in the area. Uh, Eagles, a no from both. Treasury, the same. Uh, Magellan, a hold from both. Be patient. And Macquarie, a hold from both. If it gets to $163, well, then Mark would be interested at buying. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, following our own uh, fantasy growth portfolio as uh, uh, picked by our investment committee. The most recent committee meeting is up on the website at the moment on the platform. In February, they got out of Aristocrat JB Hi-Fi. They added Paradigm and New Century Resources, up the weighting of BHP, CSL and BOSS and since the 1st of March last year. Uh, it is up 11.5%. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own under Lying assets consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, this uh, half hour uh, we take a look at Tyro. Spoken to the uh, chief executive already, so I've got Caddy, SQX, uh, Frontier Ventures, and Calix to get through. Uh, Rudy got a view on Calix, the uh, technology platform for um, beverage suppliers. Caddy, 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 yep. No. No? No. 
Um, well, that was short and sweet, Mark. Uh, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I actually think the least words we spend on this, uh, the ballot. I mean, if you look at the daily volumes, um, yeah. if, I, if, if I give my Sunday money, which I used to give to my sons 10 years ago, if I spend on the market, the share price might double. Right. Okay. Um, so that's completely all, that's all, all you need to know. Yep. It's, it's actually, its market cap is four million. Right. Now, there's a real problem with that because to be listed <laughs> on the ASX, the frictional costs, you've got to do audits, you've got to pay the ASX, yep. it would be minimum half a million a year. Mm. Uh, what do, you, do you know, have any uh, facts on no, it? Yeah. It'd be, yeah. it's a lot. It's yeah. um, and you've got and a four market, million market, market cap. cap Explain to me how you worth, can cover that. You have no business being a listed no. entity with, if, with four million market cap. Yep. Even a hundred million, I think, is tough, but four million is a joke. Yep. And there's no liquidity at all. Uh, also, the other problem is they've been going since 2014. Yeah, and like they're, they're, what they're doing is they're investing in um, technology disruptors and so on, specialising in beverage, you know, yep. which they've had, they've had te- what's that, eight years? Yeah. Eight years of history, and all they do, all they've been doing is losing money. They've never made, never made a cent ever. Right. 2014, it looks like they broke even. Okay. And they're actually losing, mm. it's, it's coming off a cliff since 2020. Yep. No. no. no not worth looking at. No. Uh, Anna wants a view, uh, Rudy, on uh, SQX Resources. Recently listed, very recently listed. Very recently listed. Uh, uh, exploration uh, company. Well, well it's, it's, it's an investor, my understanding is, yeah. but um, I'm probably going to say the same thing as Mark. I tend to wait three or four years after their list because yeah. then you get to see their true character. Um, yes, um, you'll, you'll, you'll miss out, if it's a success story from, from the get-go, you'll miss out on the early gains. But you know what? If it's a great company, um, there's going to be plenty of time along the way yeah. to, to get on board. And the other thing is, is that, that um, uh, mining, uh, the mining industry goes through cycles. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's no automatic take a long-term view and, and see the share price appreciated by default. I would basically, again, it's too young, it's too small, it's unproven, uh, you name it. Um, if you're interested, by all means, keep it on your watch list and, 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 mm-hmm. and see what happens over the next two and a half years and, and make up your mind. Yep. Uh, um, yes, it's five million market cap. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so detail uh, what we said yeah. on the last one, but I'll add to it. But it's, it's only just, just come to market. Yeah, and well. I'm just reading what the blurb is. Cause yeah. Now, why would you list it Yeah, that, that kind of level? The reason yeah. you do it is you want to ultimately access public markets. Right. So you've got a story, and I was reading their story, and it says they've got a tenement called the, the uh, Scrub Paddock Pro- Prospect. That yep. sounds exciting. Yep. Anyway, then it comes into like all this story about you know, gold and stuff they've found on a two-kilometre strike length, and it's like reading a, a yep. wine label. You know, right. where they talk about that, you know, it's got after, after flavors of uh, leather saddlebags or something. It's like that. And you, you sort of read all. And at least you knew what you were reading and really mm. could understand that it's meaningless. Yeah. So you can guarantee that what they're going to do is be coming and doing capital raisings and yeah. so on to get money to, t- to then turn the exciting yeah. story into a new exciting story. Mm. And this sounds right. to me like a mine the investors' pockets for right. the next 10 years. Because right. we've got heaps of them on the ASX that have done it for 10 yeah. years or more. And okay. 5 million market cap really is nothing. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's okay. get on to something Rudy a bit could bigger. Buy, Rudy could buy the whole thing. <laughs> house prices are more expensive than Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Rudy's house would be worth more than yeah. that. Uh, Damien wants a view, Mark, on Frontier Digital Ventures. Now, we talk about uh, platform store, stocks like Seek, uh, like REA, like car sales. Frontier Digital Ventures has those, builds those platforms and starts them and buys into them but in developing countries. And um, they've sold a few in the, in the past. What do you think of Frontier? Well, the problem, again, is that they're in an exciting area, hmm. you know, but they don't make any money. Right. <laughs> so they've had, they've had, if you look how many years, never, it's not a startup. Never, this has been, never been profitable. It's been going for 12, uh, seven, seven years, never eight years, eight years, never made, a, never made a cent. No, never been profitable. And so it's like, and they're, they're, they're losing about three or 4% a year. So they're not losing a lot. So they probably can keep going for another 10 or 20 years right. on, the, on the capital that shareholders have in there to pay the executives and the, you right. know, the, all the people who are in there. And maybe they'll get lucky and, and find something really good. Right. They might get lucky. Yeah. But at the moment, like, why would you bother? And it's actually the, um, the market cap's 270 million. So it's not insignificant. Right. Uh, they've got no debt. But look, there's, there's nothing I can say in there that looks worth a discussion. Ready? They're not the first to go into emerging markets with, with that idea. But the difference with um, the likes of REA Group Car Sales, uh, Seek and the ones we have, is they, they have a very strong base at home yep. 
or at the very least, mm. they, they operate in economies like the US and Italy yeah. and Britain and, and, and things like that, which are by all means comparable to Australia. Once you move into things like Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan, um, yeah. The risk profile is enormously different. Sure. Right? And one of the problem Charles, for example, for F for, for Frontier is Pakistan. Right? right. An economy in trouble. If the economy is in trouble, how well are you going to support? Yeah. Uh, uh, but say support? car sales have gone into Mexico and Korea. REA yes. reckons India is going gangbusters. Yes, for but them, they so do. But they start off with a very strong here. home base. Right. And for example, and they've got capital. For example, yeah. REA withdrew from Italy. I mean, yeah. It didn't work, and they yeah. just withdrew. And they still have Australia. Yeah. I mean, and the US for as yeah. long as, as they own it. Hmm. Um, but the difference good, with this business is there's no market yeah. leadership in an established market from which they can relate to and from me no it's all it's all <laughs> loose sand basically yeah okay all right yeah. uh our final stock to uh have a look at today philip wants a view rudy on calyx now very interesting it, business it's a but it seems to have changed on a dime i, th I thought calyx was this carbon capture yes making yes. cement but is then, also, yes. then you read it now it's uh uh into battery technology oh it's it's um, it's it still does it still does advanced the, the batteries yes. for sustainable mineral and it, chemical it, it has it has broadened the scope and right and i think um i think it's an interesting business but I, would i buy it no you know why too small unproven not profitable uh and you name it and even right. even the cement project they have that's that's a multi-year project right. uh, essentially so, so all these other things i've got into is that uh, everything is early stage right. it's all and, and this business to itself bring more of a portfolio yes, of products. and the business itself it's it means nice to develop all these things but it's actually it's really a small cap business so you're so you're 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 going with the flow or you or you're falling with the flow and for me that's that's not a base to to, to invest i mean you want right. you want you want profits you want growth in profits you want pricing power yeah. you want you want all of that this right. all is uh, blue sky pie in the sky and yeah. it can all pay off but you don't need to be there in the early stage i mean right. if they are successful in let's say five years then maybe in six years you have a you have a great share price to buy and you keep it for the next decade yeah yeah and interestingly they've, they've got it because they're in a sexy area yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, there's yeah, ooh, yeah. you know, yeah, ESG yeah. people can yeah. buy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the funds and so on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 890 million market cap, 18 million in uh, revenue, hmm. 16.5 million loss. Yeah, so exactly. they're, lo they're losing a dollar Almost for every dollar yeah. they made. 18 million in, in revenue, revenue and, and it's close to a billion market cap. And you go, hello, what's wrong with this story? Yeah, that's a revenue multiple of valuation 20, 20 times because revenue because people buy yeah. it on the theme of esg and carbon capture yeah, yeah, but they don't yeah. really look at the underlying business and they don't have no regard for the risks right, right. No. and right, right. share yeah. price moves that's why you buy it yep all right in a moment, let me finish with a with a question to both of you and i was thinking the answer was depending no. on on time now when you're when you talk about macquarie yeah. um so we're going into a really uncertain period at the moment yeah uh, there's likely to be another big leg down uh, in the market uh, coming or up. Or a big leg up. Uh, do you, do you, do you stick? <laughs> do you have have a core bunch of stocks? Say in your your twenty stocks, there are t there are ten there that you just love, that deliver the whole time, and just top up those existing stocks when the share price comes down. Or are you constantly on the look. For new stocks. No, no, no. I'm with you. In these times. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the add to what you know and what's right. doing well for you. Like T&E, if I can buy T&E at $10, I'll put it whatever cash I've got in. Right. Well, the Technology the, 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 one. Other performer, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. music yeah. to Rudy's yeah. ear. Are you yeah. still in it? Of course. Yeah. And see, but, but why would you T &E. not be in it? The why thing is, we look at it going forward. Yeah. And I've been in it since 210. And the original investment I made, I think I've told you, is not yeah. 98 cents. Uh, and I were twenty thousand dollars worth. That's all I got because I put an order in for a lot more. But I got I, I was really clever and I put so in ninety eight cents so and it went up to a dollar and I didn't buy any more. Yeah. It was really smart. <laughs> oh, okay. And that yeah. just interestingly, the, the yeah. EPS has been growing at an average of about fourteen percent a year over that time. And over those uh, how many years is that? 10, uh, 12 years. Over those twelve years, that twenty thousand dollars is three hundred and thirty four thousand with dividends reinvested. Right. Wow. So it's one hundred and thirty percent per year 
return. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. what there's probably uh, people don't understand compounding. When I say people, yep. I mean everybody. Very oh. difficult to get yes. your head around yes. it. Yeah. And you can look oh, at yeah. examples and go, it looks like it doesn't make sense because you see these hockey sticks over yeah. time, like Berkshire Hathaway, Buffett's yeah. companies, yeah. because it's, it's that compound on, yes. the, on the earnings and they're compounding on that. Mm. And that's how much it is. Right. Yeah. So why would I sell it? So yeah. I, I, I want to add any time I can buy it on weakness. Right. Warren Buffett made a similar comment in his last newsletter, by the way, how he, he illustrated how the first year when you bought Coca-Cola Coca shares, yeah, yeah, you yeah. had like 70 mil, 75 million or something in, in dividends. And 10 years later, it's, it's 750 million in dividends oh. every year, yeah. recurring and growing. Yeah. And, and you're right, people don't understand that principle. I mean. yeah. Now, coming back to your question, yeah. because obviously I'm, I'm a long-term shareholder in, in Technology One as well. I'm a little bit different from Mark. I actually have an active portfolio management right. approach, but what I do is if I believe that one of my pet stocks, and I have pretty much an overlap with Mark as well, uh, the technology ones, the CSL, etc. If they really, it's very annoying, but it happens. Sometimes they can, can get really overvalued. Yeah, I might take take some off, but I don't completely sell out because I still have that long-term view yeah. that this company in five or seven, ten years' time will be a lot higher. Yeah, so just temporarily, maybe for the next six months or so, it might temporarily. And I've learned my lessons because in the early days when I did this, I would sometimes sell out, for example, out of a certain stock, and then you don't get you don't get back in. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the difficulty, and that's why it's much better to just maybe half your stake or something, yeah. and then when it when it if you're wrong, you still have half. Yeah. If you're right, you can buy back can at a lower level. When a card, because you always say. Which a chart show CSL gets down to 250, 260 virtually. Yeah, well, it was every only a few year. months ago. It was, yeah, 260, yeah. it was 262 a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's, when you top up. And, and, and we've just done quite a lot of work on CSL, and it looks fantastic yeah, going right. forward. What they have in their approved, uh, their, their pipeline of drugs with V4 or V4, or V4 uh, yeah. is going to be yeah, a yeah. mega earnings boost. Yeah. I think CSL is going to really outperform right. over the next five, ten years. I say five, ten years. Because okay. yeah. it's had a ceiling of about three, three, ten. Oh, it doesn't matter about the price. So I'm, I'm talking about earnings. Right. Yeah. yeah, the earnings of the business are, are going to be. Share price will ultimately yeah, fall. It'll, it'll yeah. catch up. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fascinating. And uh, let's uh, look at the final five stocks that we've had, or four stocks really. Caddy are no. Um, SQS Resources are no, Frontier Digital are no, and also Calix are no as well. Um, Mark Mullen from Team Invest, always great to see you. Good to see Thank you, mate. Thanks, uh, Rudy, always good to catch up as well. Computer said no a lot of times today. Uh, yes, you did say no a lot of times today. In fact, we don't have we didn't one have, we didn't have any to go to through. Buy. No buyers whatsoever. Buy, buy Telstra. But, yeah. No, I, don't, I wouldn't agree to that. Right, okay. So we don't even have a unanimous buy today. All right, if you've got any stocks you want me to put to our expert panels, put them in an email or call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz TV handle. More of Osbiz ahead, don't go away. The pulse is next.